This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to the Triple Vision Podcast, your window into the past, present, and future of blindness in Canada. This podcast has been made possible by a generous contribution from T-Base Communications and the support of the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians. The mission of Triple Vision is to gather and document previously untold Canadian blindness narratives, one lived experience at a time, and to make our history accessible and universally known. Welcome to Triple Vision. I'm David Best, your co-host for Triple Vision, and with me is Hannah Levitt. Hi, Hannah. Hi, David. How are you doing? I'm good today. This is our second episode of Exploration into the Accessible Library Services. If you'll remember, David, in our last episode, we talked to Jane Beaumont, who's the archivist for the CNIB, and she shared about the history of the library from its early days as a a charitable organization to the not-for-profit model. And we also heard from Albert Ruel, who's a longtime library user, and his experiences with all the different technologies and formats from the libraries. On this episode, we will take a step forward in the evolution of the accessible library services in Canada, which began when the public library system took on the responsibility of providing accessible resources. The public library system provides accessible materials through two new organizations. The first of these organizations is the Center for Equitable Library Access, C-E-L-A, also known as CELA. And the second organization that was created is called the National Network for Equitable Library Services, N-N-E-L-S, also known as NELS. So starting off in this episode, we have with us Lori Davidson. Lori has more than 20 years experience working as a librarian and technologist. And she has served over the past year as the executive director for CELA. Before taking on the executive role at CELA, Lori was the project manager at the National Network for Equitable Library Services where she nurtured the development of the Access Publishing Summit and developed programs and services for people with print disabilities. So, Laurie, can you tell us a little bit about how CELA came to be a provider of alternate format uh, materials to blind Canadians? Uh, Sure, yeah. So, historically in Canada, um, you know, since the early part of the 1900s, the CNIB library has been the provider of library services to the blind. But starting as early as the 1970s and all, we, and all the way up until about 2014, which is when CELA formed, there had been growing advocacy from CNIB, from consumers and also from libraries um, on the issues of access to information for people with print disabilities and how that service could operate better. So this included the idea that public libraries should take on more of a role um, in this area that the CNIB library had historically provided. So throughout sort of starting in 1999 up until 2014, there was numerous committees and reports that were done to explore some new models for how libraries could serve people with print disabilities. Um, And these included a number of different pieces. Uh, The Canadian Library Association did a report called Opening the Book in 2005. 
uh, Libraries and Archives Canada. Uh, we're a part of the um, IELA, the Initiative for Equitable Library Access Project. Uh, CNIB did a proposal for a national digital hub. And then finally, uh, CULC, which is the Canadian Urban Libraries Council, which represents the large urban libraries and regional libraries in Canada. So CULC and CNIB together put forth a proposal in 2013. Um, and throughout all of these different working groups and proposals, in 2014, uh, two national services were created with the overall goal of building equitable access to reading. So NELS, the National Network for Equitable Library Service, which I um, know you'll be talking about in this podcast as well, and ourselves, CELA, the Centre for Equitable Library Access. And so the vision for CELA was really to be a publicly funded, not-for-profit organization that would provide accessible reading services to people with print disabilities in Canada through its member public libraries, and it would be informed and advised by public libraries. Um, and so it began in 2014, sort of initially there was some federal money for an incubation period, and there was also funding assistance that came from some of the larger libraries in Canada to get it off the ground. And CELA began to officially operate uh, in 2014. In and at that time, that was with very close collaboration and support uh, from CNIB. So what distinguishes CELA library services from the CNIB former library service? So, you know, in the early CELA years, the emphasis was really on the continuity on the services of the former CNIB library to its users. But at the same time, uh, for CELA to chart the new path forward, um, which, you know, some of the main differences here included, of course, working very closely with CELA's member libraries um, on how best libraries could utilize the accessible collections and incorporate accessibility into the services that each library provides within their local communities. And another key expansion um, area was to broaden support to all users uh, with print disabilities, not just those who are blind or low vision. So. Uh, in terms of print disabilities, this includes people with cognitive uh, or learning disabilities, as well as those who have troubles holding or manipulating a physical book. Um, so it is estimated, you know, that one in 10 people have a print disability. So the readership and diversity of readers um, also expanded greatly and, and the services needed to expand to include those users. I think, it, you know, really the, the, the process as CELA has grown um, since 2014 over time, you know, we've had new member libraries join. We've had whole um, provinces and territories uh, come on board so that we fully support libraries within those territories across Can provinces across Canada. Um, as we have matured, we've also taken more of a role um, working with libraries and outreach. So we started our educator access and client access support programs. Um, which allows us, um, you know, we work with educators who support students who have print disabilities or other professionals such as occupational therapists who may work with people with print disabilities as well. So that's been um, that's been an important component of our service. Can you tell us a little bit why it's so important for the public libraries system to get involved in this whole process? So in Canada, you know, our public libraries are public service institutions. And at their heart, libraries are meant to be inclusive and to provide equitable access to reading for all of their users, including those with dis disabilities. And I think historically, public libraries felt that their services that they were providing, you know, were inadequate and it needed to be revisioned. So this new approach was necessary to ensure that a more equitable access to reading uh, for those with print disabilities um, uh, that libraries were able to perform that. So though before there was some 
there was certainly some collaboration between the CNIB library and the public libraries in the new model. Really, libraries are now driving and owning the process. Um, with CELA as a separate organization, it has a board that is made up of member library staff. So there's much more of an opportunity for alignment between, you know, the, the sort of the traditional services for people with print disabilities and coordinating and collaborating those with the mainstream services of the public library. So this is really where the power of the public library comes in. So if I want to gain access to the CELA accessible book collection, do I have to register as a person with a disability? And how do I do that, if so? So to get access um, to CELA, so a user needs to self-identify as having a print disability. So as long as they, they say, I have a print disability that falls in one of those categories of a print disability, then they can register with CELA using their local public library card number. So users can register themselves on our website. Or if they want help, they can go into their local library and the library can help them register. And then once that process is in place, um, you know, we set up access for them. In addition to access to our CELA collection, um, we also provide access to the Bookshare collection, which is a collection out of the United uh, States that um, really expands access. It's about 900,000 plus titles that come out of that Bookshare collection. So for access to the Bookshare collection, we do require users to have a proof of disability. Um, and that's part of Bookshare's guideline for access. So uh, for a user to get full access to both the CELA and Bookshare collection, they'll also need to submit a proof of disability. And um, oh, just to say as well that we also have a designate program. So if you have a family member or a loved one um, of someone with a print disability, they can actually help the user and access material on the user's behalf. So once we're registered, uh, as a as a client, can you walk us through how CELA gets the books into the hands of clients? A key philosophy of our service is to recognize that we have a diversity of users who have a diversity of reading needs. So this includes people that have different comfort levels with technology. It will include those who don't have reliable internet connections. will include those with various different kinds of uh, disabilities, which may require different formats. And also for the different types of um, reading material, whether it's leisure or educational material. So because of this, there's a different sort of delivery methods and ways uh, people can access depending on what their needs are. So for uh, we offer both digital access and physical delivery. So for digital delivery, we offer two methods. So folks can download zipped files. Um, and we also have what's called our direct to player service. Um, and this allows for the easy download of books. And these can be used on computers, tablets, or phones, or some other uh, device. Uh, for physical format, um, as we have a number of users who aren't comfortable with technology or who still like to receive uh, material in the mail, we do offer audiobooks on CDs. Um, these can be read on a DAISY player. Uh, we also have an embossed Braille on demand service that we will mail out to users. Uh, we also offer a circulating print Braille collection uh, that users can access. Um, and in addition to direct sort of uh, access by users, we also work through libraries. So we do provide, uh, you know, daisy books on CDs uh, to public libraries uh, who then can lend these CDs um, out to their users from within their local library collection. Well, if I'm a client of CELA and I'm looking for a book that I need and you don't have it in your collection, can I request that you obtain it? And what's the process of doing that? 
So we have a suggestion form on our website where any user can suggest, or a library can suggest a title uh, for the collection. Uh, so there's a number of ways in which we get material for our collection. One way, and this has been the more sort of traditional or, or historical way, is, you know, we do um, create sort of accessible books from scratch. Um, we actually work uh, with CNIB to do that work. So they will, say, create a human-narrated audiobook or a Braille book for us or an accessible EPUB if there is not an accessible version available. Another way uh, is that we do uh, do commercial purchasing, particularly of commercial audiobooks, where we are able to purchase them, and then we convert them into a, an accessible format for the audiobooks we would convert into the DAISY audio format. In addition, with the international exchange that's now available to us through the Marrakesh Treaty, we can sometimes access titles from other collections worldwide. So if the book has already been made in an accessible format and is available, we may be able to get that title um, from there. We don't guarantee that we can do every title suggestion that comes through, and all of our collection development is also informed uh, by our collection development policy. Um, and this will guide our decision making and what we add to the collection. With the copyright exemption that the CNIB library originally had and what um, is in use today, what is the role of the publishers? Why aren't they producing these materials, right? Like, why aren't they part of this the solution to creating accessible materials for blind Canadians? I think the publishing industry has really uh, stepped up. And I think, you know, we are in conversation um, with the publishing industry and the particularly the Canadian independent publishing industry. And I think it's a really exciting time uh, for publishers um, and that they are really embracing and ramping up with what's called born accessible content, with, that is content that is created you know, with accessibility in mind from the get-go. I think internationally, if we look, um, you know, this is being accelerated by the EU accessibility legislation, um, which is requiring that all books and reading systems are accessible by 2025 within the EU markets. And in Canada, um, you know, in 2019, the Government of Canada announced $22.8 in support for accessible book production to the Canadian independent publishing industry. So, We've got some really significant initiatives that are having an extremely positive impact on the availability of accessible content within the commercial systems. Um, and I think we'll see more and more of that, um, you know, in the next year or the next two years or the next five years as publishing sort of uh, becomes learns how to do it, changes their workflow, and changes their processes. So for organizations like us, um, where historically much of our work has been on that alternate format production, which is really taking an already published work and then we're rejigging it into an accessible format. In this case, we have a real opportunity to work in collaboration with the publishing industry where the publishing industry can take over this work and, and build or and to create born accessible content. Then it can leave us to do some of our other work, which is part of that public service uh, component work that is important for organizations like SELA about building that equitable reading landscape. So this can include um, making sure that reading access is equitable regardless of socioeconomic status. Um, it can be ensuring that specialized formats such as Braille can continue to be offered as a choice. It can include working on the um, huge amounts of material that is still not in accessible format. That might be backlists or other material that publishers aren't actively working on making accessible. Uh, you know, the estimates are 5 to 7% of the world's published material is available in accessible format. So there's, there's all sorts of work to be done.
That was Lori Davidson, Executive Director of the SELA Library, discussing what SELA looks like today. I would now like to invite Daniela Levy-Pinto to our discussion on the history of accessibility library services. Daniela has a PhD in politics and an MA in international relations, and she currently manages the National Network for Equitable Library Services. So, Daniela, can you tell us a little bit about NELS and the services it provides? Sure. So, NELS um, first started providing accessible uh, format materials in 2013. At the end of this year, it was NELS was created by a group of um, eight public library service branch directors. NELS first uh, launched in the province of, of Saskatchewan, and now it serves um, Canadians in many other provinces, including BC, Alberta, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, Nunavut, Northwest Territories, and the Yukon. And NELS is a, a digital repository of um, materials in accessible formats for library uh, patrons across Canada with uh, print disabilities. NELS also um, advocates for accessible publishing and um, is a part of uh, the accessible uh, reading landscape in Canada, uh, along with uh, SILA. Daniela, you promote the paradigm shift of born access content and inclusive design. What, what does that mean and how does that fit into your mission? Born accessible means essentially content, in this case, books that are created with accessibility features at source, or um, in other words, that are uh, created accessibly by design. That fits into our mission. When when NELS was first created, um, the most of the nature of the, uh, I mean, most of the work was actually format shift content to make it accessible to, to uh, people with brain disabilities. Digital technologies has, uh, have certainly facilitated the creation of content that we, uh, users of assistive technologies, can potentially read. Uh, but this doesn't happen automatically. For content to be accessible, it needs to be uh, to follow certain guidelines so that all the features are indeed accessible. So, for example, um, adding headings that can be programmatically uh, found using screen readers and other assistive uh, technologies. This this is something that um, that can be easily done, but not everyone knows about it. With the born accessible paradigm, is really try to um, make sure that as many accessibility features can be added from the start, so that if there are any barriers that remain later, the um, the remediation will not take a long time. And uh, Born Accessible would also uh, include, for example, ensuring that books have image descriptions, that all images have alternative text for, for screen reader users, for, uh, for blind people or, or people with low vision, to know what those images are. I mean, the Born Accessible is um, ensuring, for example, that the authors of, um, of the content of, of, uh, of the titles 
actually provide a draft image description so that then they are edited with the content. So it's really accessibility by design, thinking about all the different pieces and making sure that as many of the work can be done at source, uh, for example, using word styles and then exporting the files correctly so that as much markup can be can travel to the to the new format. Okay, Daniela, can you tell us, sort of in a very general way, how NELS is different than the SELA service? NELS's mission is to empower libraries, public libraries, to serve um, users directly. So NELS, uh, the network working with uh, participating public libraries, NELS empowers librarians to assist uh, their patrons themselves. The model um, is based in the idea and the notion that everyone has a role to play in accessibility, so librarians can play a, a big part here. In addition to, to assisting users or patrons uh, get uh, their hands on the content that they need, uh, librarians can also um, record, uh, create content for the NELS repository. It is very important, uh, again, to, um, to empower librarians to make them feel that they are part of the solution on helping uh, their patrons get access to the content that they want. It is important that librarians get the awareness about what print disabilities are, what assistive technologies there are. Currently, there are gaps. So how does NELS actually get the accessible books into the hands of your patrons, and who are your patrons? So how do we get the books? If we talk about um, how we create them, well, first, of, uh, first the, the, a very exciting uh, service that NELS provides is actually the possibility for NELS patrons who are uh, library users of uh, public libraries in, in, uh, across the country, but uh, if, if uh, the users are in the uh, funding jurisdictions in all the provinces that I uh, provinces and territories that I mentioned earlier, uh, these patrons, library patrons, can request the titles that they want to read. So if a title doesn't exist in the NELS repository, uh, patrons have the opportunity to request it, and uh, we will create it for them. How we do it? We purchase content um, to make it accessible. We, we um, in the case of ebooks, we if the title doesn't exist uh, in electronic in an electronic format, we purchase a hard copy and scan it and do OCR optical character recognition, and then it's formatted and uh, and converted into the uh, desired format. Uh, users can can request the format of their choice. If the title exists in um, in an electronic format, we still may change it. So if it doesn't have uh, markup, uh, for example, headings or tables, we will add uh, image descriptions, we will add metadata um, to make it easier for users to uh, access the, the, the content and also to discover the title in the repository. You mentioned a little bit earlier that um, you also work with publishers. Could you tell us a little bit about what the goal of that, of working with publishers is? Our goal, first and foremost, is uh, to ensure that all content is accessible to all readers at the same time, um, you know, to, to readers with print disabilities at the same time as uh, to everyone else. 
And by working with publishers, our goal is to explain to them, uh, to create awareness about what accessibility in this case in EPUBs means, to make them, to create awareness about the implications of the uh, existing barriers to content. So, for example, to, uh, to explain to publishers why it matters that an ebook should have a table of contents or why it matters that an ebook should have image descriptions. So, our goal is to empower publishers to create content that is as accessible as possible from the start. So, the content needs to be accessible, uh, which is what we work with publishers, and the platforms need to be accessible and we work with developers to make them aware of um, what the existing barriers are and how to uh, remediate them. So, Daniela, in this age of digital communications, why is it still necessary to have a parallel library service for blind Canadians and one for sighted citizens? That's a great question. I think um, we still, we are not there yet. So first, not all content is accessible. Um, not all titles uh, have markup. We uh, cannot always find the headings, page numbers, tables. All these elements uh, that uh, enhance the accessibility of an ebook are not necessarily there. Second, um, the accessibility of reading platforms and reading system is also not there yet. Uh, there are still some important barriers in uh, commercial platforms that may pre uh, actually preclude users with print disabilities from using those platforms. Library websites are also not accessible, so that has meant barriers for, for users, or that means barriers for readers with print disabilities who may not be able to create accounts or uh, use the service as other readers would. How does a... Uh, a blind person who wants to access your services, how do they go about doing that? The BC libraries um, can connect you to NELS. And as I mentioned, patrons in funding jurisdictions, uh, BC is one of them, can actually request um, uh, titles on demand. The libraries connect the users with the NELS repository and the downloads are recorded as part of the library, not from the individual user. So there's an added uh, element of privacy there as well. So Daniela, do you foresee a day in our near future when blind Canadians can actually get books at the same time, the same place, at the same level, access service as our sighted peers? I am very optimistic here. I think that we are on our way. Uh, there is definitely momentum in the accessible um, publishing uh, world. There is also an investment, an important investment being done by the Canadian government for publishers to uh, create content uh, that is more accessible from the start. Legislation uh, certainly helps. I think it is... Um, going to be very interesting to see the implications of the European Accessibility Act that uh, mandate that by 2025, all content and uh, platforms to access that content. Uh, so ebooks and reading systems and platforms will have to be accessible. 
So this means that if Canadian publishers want to sell their titles in Europe, that content will have to be accessible. Now, uh, I think there, all this said, there, I think, will always be the need for uh, the space for alternate format producers, especially for more specialized formats like Braille, where um, fiscally or commercially is not uh, feasible for publishers to do it, uh, for example, to do Braille. However, everyone needs to be part of the solution. Uh, we need collectively to think about accessibility as uh, something integral to the design processes and to content creation and not an afterthought. And this is something that is changing and that the NELS team, um, which is also composed of uh, uh, a lot of people with lived experience of print disability can, um, can contribute to. And, uh, it is it is great to be part of this movement and this collective effort. That was Daniela Levy-Pinto from NELS. And we've certainly learned a lot about library services today. And we can see that with advocacy and funding and legislation, the next few years are going to be really interesting as we go into the European Accessibility Act. Yes, that sounds right. I, I think we've come from the Slayton Stylus era up to the Digital Communications era. So what's up next for our listeners? Next is our Valentine's episode that we're calling The Politics of Puppy Love. We're going to be talking to various representatives from the guide dog community and, and talk about some of the most recent issues to do with service dogs. Triple Vision is made possible by the generous support of T-based communications and the Alliance of Blind Canadians. Technical assistance has been provided by Accessible Media Inc., AMI-audio. Sam Robinson is the technical producer, and Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio. And finally, I thank you for joining us on this journey. If you would like to reach out to Triple Vision with questions or comments, you can email us at triplevision.com one at gmail.com or at Twitter triplevision21.